You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. We are back for NFL Draft Weekend Recap. Mike, how you doing? Okay. <laughs> uh, nothing with, with draft, just uh, like we talked about. I don't know. Sometimes the flying gets to you. I, I just flew back from Chicago, and uh, I don't know. It just, uh, the tummy didn't like it. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. And hopefully you feel better. Maybe you'll feel better talking about these draft picks for the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll go ahead and get to it right now. Second round, they took DJ Turner. And, and what's um, what's funny about that is right before the draft, a couple hours before the draft, there was some reports coming out that, you know, the Bengals have interest in DJ Turner. Could it be a sleeper pick at 28? And instead, he was there at 60, and they were able to get that cornerback that I think we thought could happen at 28, but they go edge, get Miles Murphy at 28, move on, and go stick with the defense and back-to-back picks. What did you think of DJ Turner at 60? I like DJ Turner. Um, he's a little bit of – and this is why I think I gave him a second-round grade – a little bit more theory than he is a full cornerback right now, more of an athlete than a corner, I guess is the common saying with that. Uh, but I thought he had some of the best hips in the class in terms of turn one way, can completely flip in no time, doesn't get off of his uh, mark as he's moving back. And uh, that actually showed up on tape a few times where all this athletic stuff, really what it does is it maximizes his uh, window for opportunity to, to still win. Like you can make a mistake and still come back and win the rep. So he's turned one way and he turns the wrong way on this one rep. And then uh, as the guy is about to win against most guys, he would win. He completely flips the entire, everything around and he ends up winning. uh, He ends up getting back into the play and winning the rep because of that. He also, I think the fastest corner drafted at uh, what I believe was a four, two, six, at his at the uh combine his name is juan drago which is sick (laughs) um yeah i think he has some ball skills i question the hands a little bit but he does a good job of breaking passes up he's only a three-star recruit but he played really well at michigan and uh it's easy to see why why he would be a second round pick with the super super athleticism even though he lacks a little bit of the arm length and the size, he's under six feet tall. He's under 200. He's under 180 pounds. Uh, and his arms are only about 30 and a little under 31 inches long. So there, there are guys that are longer. There's guys that are stronger. Uh, but it was a good pick, especially for where they got him. Uh, I don't think in round one, this would have been a good pick, but late round two, it's a great pick because 
there's only I think we've talked about before. There's less than 32 round one picks, and there's probably going to be less than 60. 60. I was trying to think of the pick there. It's like, oh, it was number 60. Uh, but uh, there's less than 60 guys with round one and round two grades. So to come away with one of those guys when you're picking that late is great. And it's at a position that's going to be a need next year. Yeah, I agree. And uh, getting cornerback early just felt smart. I know a lot of people felt like there were plenty of guys for a second, and then a few were dropping in the third round too, but they decided to go with DJ Turner. I actually asked one of my uh, NFL guys, Brent Nolman. I just said, hey, what do you think about DJ Turner at 28? I'm hearing, you know, that's a possibility. And he's like, honestly, low key. He has crazy ball movement, and I actually would love that for Cincinnati. So um, everybody seemed to be really excited about it for him to be there at 60, and and they were able to get Miles Murphy at 28. We'll move on to the third round. I think this was a surprise for a lot of people because when you had mock drafts out there, some people would have safety maybe later because it didn't feel like a strong safety class. And the Bengals have told us from the very beginning of the offseason when we started to hear from Duke Tobin, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, Luana Rumo, all of them. It's pretty much BPA, and that's what their mindset was. They got Nick Scott this offseason. They have Dax Hill going to play his first real season at safety in year two after sitting behind Jesse Bates and Von Bell. They go Jordan Battle. What did you think about that? Intriguing was my first thought. Uh, didn't expect it. I thought there were guys I probably would have preferred, but I didn't watch. I haven't watched Jordan Battle, um, but I know people that study Alabama, and I think they're very smart. They all think this guy is good. I, I mean, I don't want to say awesome. He's not the best safety on the team, even with Brian Branch there, but consistent. Um, he's a guy that I believe started right away for Nick Saban at Alabama. And that's really hard to do, especially for DBs because like Lou Anarumo treats his DBs where those guys aren't going to play as rookies. Like the, the, that's my baby. That's my group. Saban's the same way where he's like, you're not going to play right away. You're going to learn and then you'll play when you're experienced. But this guy was smart enough, came good enough, technically was confident and was able to start four games as a freshman and then was a full-time starter the next three years. He's actually uh, the second in his high school class for safety behind Dax Hill. So they have, they have number one and number two at safety in that 2019 high school class. So I thought that was cool. Uh, He's, yeah, it feels more like the Von Bell possible replacement and insurance than it does anything else. I don't see him starting this year, and that would make all three of their first picks not starters because I don't see Murphy starting this year, and I don't see Turner starting this year. I could be surprised by any of these guys starting, but I just think Nick Scott is – I mean, there's a pretty good shot. Nick Scott's your best safety, at least to start this year, because Dax Hill's not experienced at it. So your safety room for the future is probably Hill Battle, but this gives you uh, another young guy, like very young and on a rookie deal to throw into that spot. Uh, It seems like that may indicate that Scott is not part of the second, third year of his contract, like part of the big plans of that, although he's cheap enough that you can keep him around. Um, 
And I think what you'll see battle this year is probably in that big dime pseudo linebacker, or he is going to play a little bit of Trey Flowers role, or he's going to play, you know, just three safety sets, which they're there. Uh, if there's an injury, of course, he'll play, but they're there, but it's not, I feel like it's almost more of an idea and a fun idea than it is something that the Bengals do enough for that to be a truly meaningful impact. It's going to matter, but it's not going to be like, Ooh, they're busting up the three safety set 20 times a game. Like it'll probably be three to five times a game. Maybe. I think a lot of people, they were really surprised. Um, thought, well, maybe they'll go offense or maybe they'll stick to the defensive line, still add another corner. You could always uh, add another corner, plenty of uh, guys in the secondary. And they decided to go safety. And I agree with you. You know, hearing Nick Saban from some clips before um, the football season this year, hearing him talk about battle and kind of just like the leader he is, it really reminds me of that Von Bell trait and really who the Zach Taylor era gets when it comes to these draft picks. Uh, they'll go former captains, the leader in the room. And, and I think that's going to be an impact on the defense and in the locker room. But yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised just because of the Nick Scott three-year deal. So you think this is going to be more of a Jordan battle learning experience, kind of like Dax last year. And then next year will be his, his time. That would be my guess. I mean, injuries can always affect that. Uh, and I, he could win out the job against either one of the, it's, it's not good news. If he wins the job against Dax Hill, who I think will just be set to start no matter what, but if he wins the job against Nick Scott, like that's that obviously it's a waste of resources a little bit with the money, but at the same time, that's a good thing, right? Because that means he's probably at least in their eyes above a starting level safety as a rookie. And he's a little bit older of a rookie, but you know, that, that is something, something to look for because I mean, if he's able to do that, really impressive i if i'm gonna put money on it it probably doesn't happen but if it does it's a good thing it's not a bad thing i'm gonna get to fourth fifth and sixth in the in the seventh round in our next few segments but overall in the defense recapping it here at 28 they go miles murphy dj turner at 60 they get jordan battle in the third rounds and what do you think about the defense as of now because there's plenty of offseason left. They could add more undrafted free agents. Some guys could end up getting cut from teams cur currently on teams right now where they could add more depth to their defensive line. But overall, what do you think about this Bengals defense? I think some people think it's all about getting better this year, and they're not better this year than they were last year, in my opinion. When you lose Jesse Bates, when you lose Von Bell, that makes it difficult. Maybe they're better than what they had in the Chiefs game because you were down Chidobe Awuzie, and that's going to be a big person coming back especially if he's able to come back at the same level he played at before the injury but this is to me about getting cheaper when the offense is going to get expensive and it's kind of sad but i feel like both these moves signal at least the possibility that neither chidobe or trey hendrickson will be back after these deals because they want to get young they want to get cheap they wanted to work within the Burrow Higgins chase contracts possibly well and those have to get done first but uh you know at least two of those are getting done and hopefully all three so that would be my thought is are they better this year than they were last year on defense probably not despite all the draft resources put in are they 
set up for more future success and able to work within a smaller cap window? Absolutely. And I think that's it is just you have so many resources in terms of cap and you have so many resources in terms of draft that they were all capped towards the defense. They had the most expensive defense, at least as of a year or two ago. Now they're preparing themselves to be one of the most expensive offenses and draft capital on the defense. So they're kind of, it's the changing of the guard. They were uh, draft capital on offense, cap on defense, and now they're going to be cap on offense, draft capital on defense. I want to stay with defense because we obviously did a recap pod on Thursday night. It was around midnight, 11-ish when we were talking about Miles Murphy. But have you had a chance to go back and watch any more of Miles Murphy's tape? I've watched like 10 games at this point, yeah. Okay, break it down. What are you seeing? I see... Okay, this is the biggest thing. And I I know there is some advanced analytics that say like, oh, his ceiling is probably like an NFL starter. I think that's a likely outcome. I don't think that's the ceiling though, because every time you have one of these 200, there's four things that are going to go into why I think he has a pro bowl, all maybe fringe, all pro level ceiling. You look at the size, he's 270 plus pounds. You look at, and he's got good length with that. He's above 50 percentile arm length at just under 34 inches. He has a super explosive get off at, the 91st percentile when it comes to his 10 yard split. I know he didn't jump well when he has to start vertical jumping to uh, get off the ball. I'll be concerned right now. You know, he's exploding off of the ball. He's a little bit of a, a snap jumper sometimes. So that comes up as he'll get a, an encroachment or a neutral zone sometimes, but um, super explosive get off. And then to go with all three of those, he was a very, very highly touted recruit coming out of high school so we combine all four of those things you know you've got the size plus the movement ability plus the length plus him producing at a young age and being a high level recruit those guys almost always go in the top 15 uh that's just where i am with it is just the nfl has always valued these guys as top 15 picks where was miles murphy supposed to go in the top 15 he was basically a more productive rashawn gary this past year in his in college super athlete he's got the size everything he just didn't have the sacks and the production to meet that i mean murphy ended with what uh i I believe six and a half sacks is last year around eight sacks i believe seven and a half maybe his sophomore year as a 19 year old uh gary three and a half sacks is last year and i think he peaked at five in his sophomore year And then you look at my comparison is Jason Pierre-Paul, who was a five-star recruit from junior college and then had six and a half sacks his last year. Six and a half sacks, right? Five-star recruit. Similar arm length, similar ability, similar everything. He has to become more refined to hit these ceilings. And that's why I think that these guys didn't play that well when they started. Um, Ziggy Ansa, if you remember him, also a similar profile where he was less productive in college than Murphy, but he had that blend of size, movement, ability, and everything else to uh, become, I think he peaked at like 14 sacks in the league. Uh, when you're looking at Pierre Paul, he had, I believe, a 16 and a half sack his second year in the league. I'm not predicting that for Murphy, but uh, that'd be cool. Uh, and Rashawn Gary, just this past year, I believe, led the league in pressures or was near it and had nine sacks. The 
arrows pointing up for him. Uh, I think he's going to hit double digit sacks. So when you have all of those things, I think you have a 10 to 12 sack future, at least as a ceiling and maybe more if you can get really refined. I don't think Murphy knows exactly what he's doing as a pass rusher yet. And there's gonna be a lot on this and an article I have coming out that will probably be up by the time you're listening to this. But uh, yeah, I, I think the ceiling is very high. I don't think we should just look at one metric that downplays it. And the biggest part of that, Jason Pierre-Paul broke one of those metrics when he came out. They predicted him to get four and a half sacks in his fr- first five seasons. And he had 16 and a half sacks his second year. So uh, that didn't work. <laughs> and uh, they're predicting Murphy to get four and a half sacks a year or so. I think year one. Yeah. That that seems about it. it. I think he's going to beat that by his third year. Year two, I can still see four and a half sacks, but I'm thinking as long as he's on the projection curve that I have in my mind for him, he's probably getting the seven, eight sacks by his third year. And you're hoping by the time cause he's still 21, you're hoping by the time he's 25, 26, 27, he starts getting into that 10 sacks, 11 sacks, 12 sacks range. So that's all I wanted to say about that. Cause I've thought about that a lot and I, I've gone through a bunch of guys that have similar profiles who all go in the top 15 picks other than I believe Emmanuel Ogbo was the only guy I could find that didn't, that had all of that and didn't go in the top 15 and he went 32 and he has had nine sack seasons as well. So that's everything I got to say about Miles Murphy and the ceiling and my debate between that and uh, the analytics that say that, you know, this wasn't a good pick. He's just got starter level ceiling. Well, Zach Taylor said uh, they couldn't believe he was there for a reason. And I think a lot of people needed sleep on Thursday night when they woke up Friday morning. They're all in on Miles Murphy now. So really, really fun pick. And I'm really excited to see what he's able to do. Like you said, four and a half sacks his rookie year. I take it. Sign me up right now. And if that only keeps growing for him, then, then good news for the defensive line. We'll get to the wide receiver room next time. It's always game day in Cincinnati. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on it's always game day in Cincinnati. One of my favorite things about 
Day three, the final day, was Brian Callahan wearing his name, little name tag, saying, hey, my name is Brian. Remember me? Uh, because we are so used to the Cincinnati Bengals getting those offensive picks early. You know, Dax Hill was picked first last year, and then they go Cam Taylor Britt in the second round. Uh, but they do. They get their wide receiver. And I think, you know, you, you hear the reaction. Are they going to get a tight end? Are they going to get a running back here? Uh, Tyler Scott's still available. You see uh, a, a former UC Bearcat. Will they go that route? But they decide to go out of Purdue. Why receiver charlie jones what did you think about that um charlie jones is a guy that flashes on tape a lot i think uh he's not we'll get into it but i think it's it's a fine pick there's other guys i would go with for some reasons but to get into the good i mean this guy's you know very refined i think he's a good return man and uh he beat some high-level corners in the Big Ten, whether he's facing Illinois, which everybody who plays in Il- at Illinois got drafted, it seems, on defense. And uh, he beat, you know, DJ Turner at Michigan. And he, he's just – he had all these great games. He's doing that at, I believe, 25 years old, which is something to think about. So he's, you know, a lot of – it's a, a man among boys, <laughs> literally. Um, he's been in college since 2017, uh, where he started at Buffalo and then he transferred. So he's redshirted his first year. He played his second year. Then he transfers to Iowa, walks on, undergoes surgery, sits out 2019. And then 2020 through 2022, he plays at, or 2020 through 2021, he plays at Iowa. Then he transfers again. And now he's at Purdue where he was named second team All-American, led FBS in receptions. He opted out of the bowl game, but, uh, 12 touchdowns, 1,361 yards, 110 receptions. I think there is a possible high and high, not high, but there is a possible ceiling with him as a good, I think that's what you're hoping for. It's just like a good starting slot receiver that's cheap. Uh, he ran a really good three cone and short shuttle. He had some good jumps. He's a four four three guy, which, you know, sneaky athleticism, I guess would be. The phrase under 200 pounds, almost just about six feet tall. Uh, He fits height, but I was a little surprised they took somebody so slender. They usually like them six feet, 200. Uh, Like I said, he does flash on tape, but he's a six year senior. That's the one thing that I, I do lean. And this is why I talk so much about how much I think Murphy's ceiling is there. I do lean these guys that can produce it like 18, 19, 20 years old. And Jamar Chase is the guy that really turned me towards that. Which I, I was super high on Jamar Chase coming out, but I almost feel like I wasn't high enough, even though I put him down as a top five prospect, best in the class type situation. I had him right below Penny Sewell and Sewell also performed well at a young age, but maybe we should really consider when you're 19 years old and beating up on future NFL players that this guy's going to get better. And when he gets better, how much, you know, he's already beating NFL players. How much better is that going to be? Jones beat NFL players in uh, at Purdue, but he did so at 25 years old. And it makes you wonder when he's going to be 26 years old, his rookie year, which is a little crazy to say that's, that's up there. But uh is he or is he going to be 25 or 26? He was born October 29th, 1998. So that will be uh, 25 years old, not 26. My bad. But 25 years old, you know, as a rookie, he might be as good as he gets because that's around your athletic peak. He's not going to get much more athletic and he's already pretty refined. I do think it was a good pick though because I think he's going to end up being a starting level slot player. But uh, just a 
just a lot there to think about with uh, him being so much older than everybody else on the field. So everybody's kind of leaning towards this is going to be a Tyler Boyd replacement. And with him being a little bit older, how do you feel about that? Sure. I, that is what it would be. Uh, right now, he's the Trent Taylor replacement. Like, I think when I'm projecting out the, I, to me, I would be surprised if it's not this. But uh, to me, the Bengals wide receiver chart for next year is going to be the obvious three at the top, Chase, Boyd, Higgins. But then you're going to keep Trent Irwin, I think, because you don't have another guy on the outside that can play right away. Charlie Jones can play a little bit outside, but he's probably more of a slot guy. You're going to keep Charlie Jones. He's your fourth round pick. And then you got two slots left. One of those is, to me, going to go to Stanley Morgan because special teams blocking everything else. And the other one goes to the guy we're going to talk about, Andrea Iosivis. Iosivis? It, it, he actually, what I love about him is he actually has it on his Twitter account and it's Yosivosh. 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 Yeah, Yosivosh. Okay, yep. we made it. We got it. We got it. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, no, I I think it's it's gonna be well. You said you would have taken other wide receivers. Who who would you take? Well, some of the guys I would have taken fell even further from what I'm remembering. I like Xavier Hutchinson as a possible Tyler Boyd down the road replacement at Iowa State. Um, let's see, where I think Parker Washington was also a fine Tyler Boyd, you know, slot type guy. Uh, no, Hutchinson was also a fifth year senior, so maybe I should. But he, he was producing 771 yards in 2020 when he was uh, 20 years old. Uh, so I, I do think that th- there's something there with that. I thought A.T. Perry fell pretty far, another fifth-year senior, so old. A lot of these wide receivers were kind of old is uh, something to fall back on, which I remember it was um, Matt Minnick mentioned that. He said there's like a cliff when you're looking at the wide receivers where they're young at the at – the, upper echelon the guys are gonna go early i think i would have taken tyler scott because 21 years old he produced pretty well he wasn't a super producer and he's a little short for what they like but that's another guy i think i would have taken just for the speed and you know if he's a slot guy he doesn't need to be the biggest i think they want a guy that can moonlight outside which charlie jones can do a little bit better than tyler scott i think but uh those are a few guys but i hope i'm wrong first of all but uh to go with that I'm I, I not saying Charlie Jones was a bad pick. His nickname's Chuck Sizzle. That's great. Uh, it's going to fit right in. I know. I'm, I'm hoping he's a high-end guy. It's just, man, when you're 25 to start your career, that just feels – we'll see. Odds are stacked against him, but I, I saw – I think Joe Goodberry mentioned it. Odds have been stacked against this guy probably his entire life. You know, collegiate career. He's had to transfer twice, sit out all these other things. I think he's a two-star recruit to make the NFL already is a long shot. So I'm in. I'm into him having an awesome career. Um, Just not my personal favorite pick, although I think he'll end up being a fine starting level player. I just, I do lean a little bit towards the potential, especially with those later picks to get a guy that you think like, man, maybe this guy could be as good or maybe even better than Tyler Boyd or at least as good, because I, I don't know if I see Chuck Sizzle becoming as good as Tyler Boyd. At this moment, I think you, you, you're like my mindset going into the season with the wide receiver group is I have hope that Charlie Jones is better than Trenton Irwin and Trent Taylor. I, yeah, I mean, that's the hope. 
I do think, and we have talked a lot about it, Trent Irwin was more outside. He's big. He's Eric Decker, not Julian Edelman. Uh, Charlie Jones, yeah, 6'3". Uh, Charlie Jones, a little smaller, under six feet. Or, yeah, a little under six feet tall. Julian Edelman. So he's the more Julian Edelman. When he catches the touchdown, you can yell Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think him and Irwin really play the same position. I do think this is good. When you just think about that AFC championship game, Tyler Boyd goes down and Trent Taylor wasn't able to do it from the slot. And Trent Irwin isn't really a slot guy. So now you've got a guy that is a slot guy in Charlie Jones, who's maybe a little bit more dynamic as a return guy than Taylor. I, I do think this pick is just bad news for Trent Taylor. I don't I would be surprised if he makes the makes the 53 man roster. Today's his birthday too. Oh goodness. Um, so dang, dang. Uh, you go from uh, all the wide receiver picks to double dipping in the draft to, Hey, your birthday's today. Uh, but we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens with, with Charlie Jones. It, it's someone who, I mean, I don't feel like we, we talked enough about because I didn't think they would go two rounds in wide receiver. I thought they would get a wide receiver in this draft, but it didn't feel like a super strong class. So it kind of fourth or fifth round is what we really talked about during um, the off season of when they'd probably go that route. The fifth round pick. This seems really exciting, according to a lot of people who watched him play. And I know he's had a little bit of tread on the tire. Chase Brown running back. Looks like they got their running back, too. And Joe Mixon's going to be here to stay. We'll get to all the Joe Mixon going to be here for the season stuff later. But Chase Brown, what do you think of him? Older. Another guy that's older. But I like him. I think I like him a little bit more. Uh, there, there's some stuff I'm not a super big fan of. He had a twin brother on the team, by the way, Sydney, uh, not was it Sydney? Uh, I'm trying to look it's it up right Sydney. now. Yes. Okay. Sydney Jones or Sydney Brown. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, it's not Sydney Jones, uh, Sydney Brown. He's uh, chase Brown started at Western Michigan transferred to Illinois. And he was, he produced in 2021 and 2022. He's 23 years old. Uh, he's a little bit stout little shorter but he's over 200 pounds um he's he really blew up the senior bowl i believe i don't know if we'll be able to get jim Nagy on the show but i'm sure he will have him on over the next couple weeks yep love to talk chase brown um yeah he's to me i think if you give him a runway he is a dynamic home run hitter i question his ability to remain upright through contact uh, and to make guys miss too much. Although he did that at a pretty good level. I just see him more as a guy that he's going to maximize what's given to him. I'm not sure he's going to do a ton more than that. He's kind of rotational back in my mind. He's got great vision. He's really patient. He explodes through the hole. He does a lot of like, if you wanted to listen to our running back coach talk, he's probably going to do everything that running back coach talks about, you know, slow to it, fast through it, it, like everything there. He's an experienced pass protector, but I saw him get railroaded enough and I got heat from this. Somebody asked me if he was a good pass protector. I was like, well, not really. And uh, so that's, what's wild because Todd McShay going into the commercial break goes, Oh, and he's great pass blocker. Unless he was just rambling. Cause he was getting to late in the draft <laughs> and just said, Oh, running back, great pass blocker. But he said that and I was like, oh, pass blocker. All right. Sounds great. But then there is like a, there's like another reaction to it of saying like, no, not so much. Yeah, it's we'll see. It's hard to project to the NFL with your pass protection. I just saw a guy that experienced but wasn't great at it 
Um, I saw him get railroaded a little bit. I saw him lose some of those matchups, and you're going to lose those matchups as a running back sometimes. But I was just hoping to see him really. What I always saw was good processing, knowing what he's supposed to do, getting in the way. And that was about it. He wasn't like stonewalling these guys like he's Zeke Elliott or Samaj P. Ryan or whoever. So if that is the plan and he is stout, he's got some natural leverage. That's the scouting term for being short. Uh, uh, you know, but he plays, you know, leverage is good. He, he's low. It's hard to move a guy that's lower. I think if he gets his technique really refined, he could be a high end pass protector, 209 pounds. That's not slight. Uh, and the effort is there. The processing is there. It's just the final execution. And that is probably better than what Mixon is able to do at this point, just because Mixon, he gives the effort. That's about it. You add processing with Chase Brown, at least from what I saw, and that will help out there. But um, I, he is a good runner, I think is what I always come back to. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has like, some really, really fun runs, just like a 70 yard run or something this year. If everything gets blocked up correctly, does he make the safety miss and do that? I don't know. Does he make the safety's angle wrong because he's super fast? Maybe that's what I would think. And uh, it's just getting through that first and second level. If he gets the runway, he is gone. He's slow to it faster. He's going to make the most out of all of these runs. It's just, I don't see him as the type to make two guys miss, run somebody over, stay on his feet and make those type of runs. I see him more, a little bit more um, Raheem Mostert's like that too, where Raheem Mostert's not, you know, making a ton of guys miss. He's gotten better at running guys over and staying on his feet, but he's not making a ton of guys miss doing all that other stuff. He's a guy that he's going to go, 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 go. And if you make a mistake, if you get blocked up correctly, he's gone. And that's what I'm thinking and hoping that Chase Brown is able to bring. I think a lot of people get worried a little bit just because of how many hits he's probably taken over the last two seasons. Yeah, he, there's um, there's quite a bit of uh, tread on the tire. Or, uh, no. I know. I'm like, I think I said it wrong, but but uh, but yeah, he's taken some hits. He's taken some hits. But the thing is, I want people to know this. I don't see the Bengals doing another con like they'll, they'll give their rookie running backs their contract, their, their four year, they'll get, he'll get four years in Cincinnati. And I don't see them doing another Joe Mixon type of situation where they're like, Oh, here's your second contract for a running back. So things could change in four years. We don't know what that's going to look like. Um, so I think that mindset, you don't have to think long-term in the running back room. You think of right now, this guy's going to yeah. more than, be your RB2. You needed to get a running back. And um, when, we, when we do talk to Jim Nagy, it will be over the next few weeks. We'll get to know a little more about him from the Senior Bowl. So I'm really excited about that. But right now, wide receiver, they get their wide receiver and running back in the fourth and fifth round. We'll go ahead and get to the sixth and seventh round next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. 
We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Bengals stayed with offense. They double-dipped that wide receiver. I was really excited about this pick. I, I saw his interview with Ross Tucker a couple weeks ago. His visit with Cincinnati was a couple days longer than the other NFL teams, and a little surprised he was there in the sixth round. Andrea Yosivosh, and, and Andrea, I hope I don't butcher your name. It's my least favorite thing in the NFL to ever mess up anybody's name, but that's what I see on your Twitter page. Uh, what did you think about the sixth round wide receiver? My favorite pick because it was the only one I predicted. <laughs> I'm doing all of that. I did predict this one. Um, I had some of the ones as honorable mentions, but this is one I actually had in there because they met with him so much and he just fits what they look for. Six foot three or six foot three and a half. If you listen to his pro day about, and he's over 200 pounds. I don't know how that's a discrepancy, but uh, over 200 pounds, 206 pounds at his pro day. Super athlete. He went to the same high school as Barack Obama, first of all, which is interesting, <laughs> both from Hawaii. Uh, he won five gold medals at the 2018 state championships for track and field in Hawaii, where it was long jump. It was the 200 meters, the 100 meters, the four by 100 relay and the four by 400 relay. I mean, and then he also did the heptathlon and uh, was a first team All-American at Princeton, which is an indoor seven event, which is the 60 meters long jump shot, put high jump, 60 meter hurdles, pole vault and 1000 meters. And he finished fourth at the indoor heptathlon championships for Princeton. Um, he's an athlete. He's also, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Super athlete, super, super athlete. Uh, I believe his RAS score was like 97th percentile. It, it was way up there. Kind of small hands, which... I haven't watched super closely. I don't know if the drops are concerning. I'm trying to look on what Dane Brugler said is just, uh, do, 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 do. I'm not seeing relies on his body to finish catches at times. So maybe there's a few drops in there, body catches, but overall he's a guy that dominated the, well, not, well, he was first team all American first team Ivy league, led the Ivy league and receiving team captain and Ivy league MVP for track, uh, he started every game the past two years. They didn't play for COVID, so he didn't play in 2020. He is another fifth-year senior, uh, 23 and a half years old, so a little bit older, although not as much as Charlie Jones. I think I think there's a ton of potential with this pick. Could he do nothing? Sure. Could he end up being a really could he end up being better than Charlie Jones? Yeah. Like that's in the realm of possibility. This guy has super speed. He can work down the field as a vertical threat. He's got size. That size-speed combo is something I'm always willing to bet on. And it seems like he's a bit more refined than like a Bryce Ford Wheaton, who I think everybody looked at was like, look at him compared to Calvin Johnson. It's like, well, in shorts, <laughs> on the football field, not so much. But uh, in shorts, sure. This is a guy that actually produced, albeit at the Ivy League level. That's always hard to figure out. Like, is this Ivy League guy? Is he actually, you know a dominant wide receiver or is he just facing a bunch of future congressmen <laughs> that they'll just be able to talk about. Uh, but I like it, you know, tiger to tiger Princeton. I like the pick. I love the potential to me. This was a, this was a pretty slam dunk pick. I mean, Dane Brugler had him, I believe as a, a fifth rounder and you get him late in the sixth round. So 
this was a guy that uh, I did not have other guys at the same position that I was like, ah, you should have gone with that guy. Although Hutchinson was there just a few picks before. So that was a guy that was like, Oof. but this I believe would be your future Trent Irwin replacement, most likely with potential for more. I think that's the path that he would be on. He's probably in my opinion, going to make the team just because you don't want somebody with these traits to be cut and then put onto the practice squad and able to be stolen. Um, I think other teams have probably also would have drafted him. He wasn't a guy that I think was going to go undrafted. There's a, there's, there's a lot to like. Uh, we'll work on the last name. Hopefully he says it a few times and we can really nail it over time. But um, one of my, one of my favorite picks of the draft, just high potential possibility uh, boom bust, but man, yeah. what a bet to make in the sixth round. Like who cares? Most of those picks are not going to become anything. Take the guy that can become something really good. And another senior bowl guy. I want to say he had the highest uh, performance in, at the senior bowl. He was one of the, the top guys. Last gym. Um, yeah. Last gym. We'll get, I, I mean, it's always a senior bowl guy, which of course they get a lot of the top prospects at the senior bowl too. And um, yeah, for him, when I, when I listened to that interview with him, with him and just hearing the Cincinnati Bengals are one of the teams that had really high interest in him and, and spending just a few extra days with the, getting to know the team and for him to be around in the sixth round, I think a lot of people were a little surprised. I know you said, uh, Dane said the fifth round. Um, some people had a, maybe late fourth round grade mm-hmm. on him. Um, so I think he was someone who was on their board and maybe they were a little surprised he was there and that's why they double dipped at the wide receiver. And I just want to get when they, when we get to the trade deadline of the NFL season, I don't want to sit there and look at the wide receiver room and say, how are we feeling about it? It's the same one you had last year at the trade deadline, but except for the new, you know, the new rookie additions. But I, I hope Charlie and Andrea are maybe they're not making a huge impact if they're the Trent Irwin of the Trent Taylor of the wide receiver room, but they're still guys that you can rely on if Tyler Boyd is out or or T Higgins and Jamar Chase, which I hope everybody's healthy. Um, but you at least have someone else in the wide receiver room that that Joe can go to, and I think that's extremely important because a lot of people focus on the tight end room, and we've talked about that before. The Bengals just don't value it like other teams. And they focused on on wide receiver. Even though it was a deep tight end class, they were like, you know what? We'll just go wide out. We're really good at drafting wide receivers. So I trust this front office when it comes to that room. We're going to go with the six-round pick. I was pumped about this one because this was the pick that they got from the Kansas City Chiefs. The biggest thing for Cincinnati, I didn't see them trying to get rid of any picks when they only had seven to begin with. And then they got the eighth from the Kansas City Chiefs by just moving back a few spots earlier in the draft. They get 217 when they said punter. I was ready for it because, yes, they need a punter on this team. is extremely important. Uh, national media, a few people actually pointed it out. They said, hey, that was a difference in the AFC Championship game, too, for the Cincinnati Bengals. They go Brad Robbins, and I think that was surprising for a few people. What did you think of it? I was sad because I've been a Michael Turk guy yeah. this whole time. Um, Brad Robbins, I think the main selling point with him is not that he booms the ball, but – that he had the best tied for the best with Ty Zentner when it comes to last year's hang time. And he was tied with Isaac power for 2021 average hang time. If you're wondering why they, he had the best 2020 when you average out his past two years out of all the guys, he had the best hang time out of everybody. So that's going to be why they did it. He has an awesome mustache Mm -hmm. and, uh, (laughs) There's, you know, not a ton of. I didn't watch 
there's there's a punter youtuber that i will try to shout out later because i'm not going to go try to find it right now but i watch his videos because you know he was a former college punter and he kind of breaks it down i'm like okay i feel like you know what you're talking about uh, that's why i was so into michael turk was that he talked about his potential and how he does everything so i'm going to watch that brad robbins is what uh trying to actually flipped over I don't have his age, but it doesn't matter. Punter age doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, see Kevin Huber. Tucker, uh, Mike, Michael Turk. Sorry. Michael Turk was like 25 or 26 years old. I didn't care. Um, but he's a guy with super good directional ability, super good hang time. Those are two things that Drew Crispin is the opposite of. He is low hang time, low directional ability. He just hits the ball low and flat and down the middle. And you hope it's a big one. He barely, ha- I don't, Remember, it, it was something like one touchback last year or something like that. He keeps it within the 20. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about it. I just wanted Michael Turk because I wanted the buff punter, but we got a cool mustache punter instead uh, and great hang time guy. That's hopefully something that translates over. I know the ball's different at the NFL level. Uh, actually, I hear it's harder to kick the college one and with the college schemes. I've seen some of those Michigan ones where he kind of runs to his right and does like the rugby style punt. That's not happening at the NFL level. Nobody does that unless there's like a, a mistake somewhere or a bad snap. So he's going to have to do the normal punts, but I think he could do it at a lot of talk to say, this is a guy that 24 years old, Lindsay mentioned it in the chat. I want to give her credit because I didn't look it up uh, 24 years old, but yeah, he's a guy that I think is going to be, I don't know if there's the potential there to become one of the best punters in the league like you might have with Michael Turk, but he feels like a guy that's going to be consistently pretty good. Honestly, like, does it compare to like a right-footed Kevin Huber? When you talk about it out loud, good hang time, great directional ability. That's the style of punter you're kind of going for, so I can see it. Uh, Dane Brugler had him ahead of Michael Turk. I just don't agree with it. You know, it was it was a little bit all over the place because when the Bengals did pick him, one of the things I do is I just go search the videos on Twitter and then people are like, oh, yeah, Brad Robbins, that's a steal or that's a good video from people who break down punters. Um, they're out there, as you mentioned, and uh, they did feel pretty high on him. One tweet that I did see from a local media member who I who was absolutely amazing, but he said that. There's competition. I mean, not didn't mean there was competition, but he's like, oh, a little camp competition, Michigan versus Ohio State, Drew Chrisman and Brad Robbins. I hope there's zero competition. <laughs> I hope it's it's Brad Robbins' job to lose right now. I don't I don't know how much competition we're gonna see uh, in training camp, but uh, it's huge. It, it's it's a it's a pick that look. Of course, you want to get other positional needs, but Hunter was a need right now it, it is a need and getting that extra pick from the chiefs to get your punter i thought was really ideal and it was just kind of ironic too to get it uh because of everything that happened in that afc championship game and then the connection with the chiefs so i i like it uh we'll see what he does but um yeah we'll have to watch more punter breakdowns to find out more about brad robbins <laughs> did you watch his uh call with zach taylor oh yeah he thought it was a he thought that was the most interesting thing was he thought yeah. it was a prank he's like yeah. sure hi zach 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 also didn't seem like he got it. Like he just thought that was how he was talking. 
he's like, are you in Columbus? Zach was just trying to like have the conversation, which those conversations have to be so difficult. You're like, I'm getting recorded. We have reaction time. And then Brad Robbins is like thinking his friend is calling him and pranking him. And then as soon as he said that, he was like, oh, wow, this is real. You're really going to pick me. Um, so yeah, in the sixth round, and then they finished it up in the seventh round, DJ Ivy. A lot of people didn't know who DJ Ivy was. Um, it seemed like really quickly, he's just a big type of cornerback, maybe someone who can cover a tight end special teams, just an added cornerback and you get him in the seventh round. Do you have any thoughts on DJ? Well, I didn't know who he was, <laughs> but uh fifth year senior, 23 years old, a young 23 though. He's, you know, he's not going to turn, I don't, yeah, February 25th. So he's not going to turn 20 five or tw- yeah 24 this season it'll be next year so um it looks like he started since he was a sophomore which is kind of cool led the team and intercept led miami in interceptions in 2019 his sophomore year but he's stuck around got a sociology degree in 2022 he was a full-time starter this year pretty much every year that he's been there since his sophomore year demetrius ivy uh south florida native this is a lot to say. I think he's a special teamer. That's my guess is they don't really see him as a corner. They see him like maybe you could fit there, you know, push comes to shove that you can play a few snaps if we need you. But I see him more as like, this is a guy they really liked on special teams. He's He played a ton of special team snaps this past year and he did so without occurring a single penalty. I think they'll like that. So uh, does he make the roster? No idea. If he does, it's probably because he is a superb gunner or something on special teams. So that would be what to watch for. I don't think this is going to be like a sleeper corner like, oh, my God, we got like the steal of the draft here. It's more so if this guy's panning out, to me, it's probably as a high-end special teamer. He's six feet tall, 189 pounds. I don't know about the tight end thing either where that's that's kind of the – Trey Flowers looked like he had a neck roll out there. He's like 6'3", 220. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's a seventh-round guy. I yeah. mean, you look last year, Chris Evans. We just – that didn't re- – I don't know if that panned out. Fifth-round guy. Oh, oh, fifth, oh, my gosh. What am I thinking? Why did I think he – why did I think Chris Evans was a seventh-rounder? Uh, that was two years ago, too. Uh, last year's seventh-rounder, was that um, Gunter? It was. It was. Ignore me. I don't know why I'm putting Chris Evans. I'm sorry, Chris Evans. That Did Gunter I block a kick? Didn't he block a kick? He he was okay. He I was... don't think he played that much besides special teams, which is probably what you're getting here. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to yeah, yeah. Did Jeffrey Gunter block? I feel like he did like something in a game. <laughs> yeah, he blocked a kick against the Dolphins. Yeah, good job. So you're hoping for that. You're hoping for, for some type <laughs> of huge special teams play from this guy, just like they got last year. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with DJ, and maybe he'll prove us all wrong, and he'll be like, look at me out here making plays, and maybe it's on special teams, but it's seventh round, so we don't know. You don't know. And one of the things we don't know, and I know it's a big thing on Sundays, is the recap of everybody's draft class and saying they get an A, they get a B, they get a C. Uh, You don't – drafting is just filling time. Our draft grades are just filling time, but we do them anyways. Um, And saying all that, what would you give the Bengals draft? A minus. I really like it. Whoa, I wasn't expecting that because I felt like the way you were talking, maybe a B or yeah. a B. B I minus. love the Miles Murphy pick. I love the uh, Eosivas pick. Uh, I love the DJ Turner pick. I've come around that 
you know, Jordan Battle is probably a good player from everybody I hear that follows Alabama closely. And there's picks I didn't love, which is what moves it down to like an A minus B plus territory. But uh, yeah, I, I really like the draft. I always, uh, I feel like I'm always going to just give like the slight up there, you know, like A minus rather than B plus, but it's, you know, in that range where I, I feel pretty good about the class as a whole. Chase Brown, probably also another pretty good pick, uh, despite any issues I may have. So well, all around, a lot of guys I like. Would have been an A-plus if they got Michael Turk, but we move. We move. A-minus. I think they would take that in a heartbeat. And I apologize about Chris Evans. It was the sixth round of 2021, and um, we don't know what's going to happen with him. But <laughs> that's all we got when uh, it's the NFL draft week. And I'm glad it's in the books. The Bengals continue their offseason workouts. Minicamp is going to be the following weekend. Uh, we'll hear from the rookies when they get to town. And then training camps right around the corner. Maybe a Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Logan Wilson extension. Do you feel like you feel any different about maybe Logan Wilson getting done? Um, I feel differently about Logan Wilson getting done when they signed Pratt, but nothing since then. All right. I thought that moved from an inevitability into a probability where before they re-signed Pratt, I just figured Pratt's gone. They're going to re-sign Wilson and that's that's it. You know, shake the dust off the hands and we move. Uh, but with Pratt being done, it does give me the slight pause because the entire time we kept saying, well, I don't know if you can pay Pat, Pratt and Wilson. I don't know if you can pay Pratt and Wilson. They're going to pay Wilson. Well, they paid Pratt. So if we still believe, I don't know if they're going to pay Pratt and Wilson. The other guy's the odd man out now uh, because you're not going to not pay Pratt because he's already paid. So uh, even though it was lower than expected, I could see them easily paying Wilson, but I have moved from this is most likely going to happen into this is probably going to happen. I also think it's probably the least important out of the big four deals right now. 100%. 100%. I would be okay if it happened next year, to be completely honest with you. Um, but if it gets done this year, then it gets done this year. Well, more. I know you're going to have plenty on all Bengals. Make sure you check it out. A Miles Murphy recap. Anything else you want to plug that's going to be up there? Uh, we're just going to go through one by one with these guys. So the Miles Murphy recap is going to be up by the time you're listening to this. I already have it written out, so I will not mess that up. And uh, yeah, so that that will be up for you to read your eyeballs to look at and then uh i'm hoping friday i get the dj turner article up i've got six games ready to go i had a friend come in and get me some michigan film that i didn't have and i was like awesome we're watching as much dj turner as i possibly can including him against the chuck sizzle himself can't wait to hear about it we'll be back on tuesday thank you for listening to it's always game day in cincinnati 